Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Thank the Lord for His Word, what it means to us, and how it helps us, encourages us, strengthens us, leads us, and guides us. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain covered his feet and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, this is Isaiah, then said I, woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of off the altar, and laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Amen? As we look at this passage, the first thing you notice here is this prophet Isaiah and his, his calling, if you will. As the Lord calls to him and And this vision that he has of the Lord. He saw the Lord on his throne, high and lifted up. And I find it's important uh, that Isaiah tells us the year that this event happened. He, he, He writes it down for all of us to know that this time that he saw the Lord, this time that he had this encounter with the Lord, was the year that King Uzziah died. And I find that interesting because uh, that would have been a huge ordeal in Isaiah's life. 
as he was the prophet to the king, as he was a prophet to the people, and as a young prophet, he would have only ever known, likely, Uzziah as king. That's all he ever knew. And it's one thing to go from one president to another, but I'm telling you, it's a whole different thing to go from one king to another. And all these things are going to begin to affect Isaiah's life in a big way. It it actually had already started to affect Isaiah's life. I think that he wrote this down, that, that the Lord revealed himself to him and called him the year Uzziah died because I believe that this was a year of uncertainty for Isaiah. This was a year of, if you will, anxiety of what's going to happen next. There's a big change taking place in the kingdom. There's a big change taking place in my life. What's going to happen next with the new king? And not only with the new king, but things had already started to change with uh, uh, Uzziah. Actually, if you, if you look in 2 Chronicles, and I'm going to go there, but you could look for yourself in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and, and kind of read down through that passage, you're going to find out that uh, Uzziah was a good king. Uzziah was a good king. He started off really, really well. The Bible says in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 26 that Uzziah was seeking after the Lord. He sought the Lord and, and, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And as you read, continue to read, the Bible tells us that God prospered Uzziah. So this was a time in Judah's history and Israel's history that, that was good. He began to prosper them, and they began to uh, uh, have all kinds of successes, if you, if you will. Uh, verse 7 says that he built these walls, and he built these towers, and he built these gates, and he, and he fortified the people, and they were safe, relatively safe. The Bible goes on to talk about their economy and, and, and that the people in that day were, were coming up with these awesome inventions, inventions for war and all these sort of things that caused them to be successful. But then there's a strange verse for us to take notice of in verse 16, really at, at the end of verse 15, look at that, the end of verse 15, it says, for he was marvelously helped. The Lord marvelously helped Uzziah till he was strong. But when he was strong, verse 16, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Let me just stop right there for a second. I would say uh, that the Lord has helped us. I actually preached the message one time out of this second, uh, second Chronicles chapter 26 called Marvelously Helped. I like that. Uh, oh, how wonderful. Oh, how marvelous. Why? Because we've been, that's a good way to describe how the Lord has helped us. We've been marvelously helped. As a country, I mean, when you hear stories about your house being looted and there's nothing you can do, I'm thankful for 911 in cases like that around here. Thankful for insurance when all your things are taken, taken away uh, in instances like this. I would just say we've been marvelously helped. But don't, but don't trust in those things. Don't trust in those things. Listen, no matter how much God helps us, no matter how much God blesses us, we need Him just as much today as we ever have. We are dependent upon the Lord when we know that we are and when we think that we're strong. We are dependent on the Lord. 
and he begins to be lifted up with pride. And the Bible tells us that he, he gets leprosy. And because of this leprosy, he's separated from the people and he's not allowed to go into the house of the Lord. Uzziah. His end was kind of bad. At the end of Uzziah's reign, it got bad. And then, and then his son takes over. Uh, Jotham. And, and the Bible says that in, in 2 Chronicles 27 and verse 2, at the end of that verse, uh, howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord, and the people did corruptly. So here we see Uzziah, this year that Uzziah died, you kind of see the kingdom at its peak and it's starting to crumble and crash and the people in charge aren't, aren't seeking the Lord like they should be and are going away and there's a lot of changes in the land. There's a lot of things going on. And, and I can almost picture this prophet who's sent to prophesy to the king and sent to prophesy to the people saying, there's a lot of issues in the land and there's a lot of things going on and a lot of, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of changes. And I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to do. I don't know what direction it is that I'm supposed to go. But can I say this? The king of Judah may be dead. Uzziah may have died, but the God of Israel is still alive. The God of Israel was still alive. And the king of Judah may have been off the throne. Uzziah may have been gone, but the king was still on his throne. Do you see that that's where Isaiah saw the king, the king of kings? He said, I saw him on his what? On his throne. Can I say that the Lord is on his throne today? Uh, that should help our anxiety. That should help our, uh, the changes that come in our life, the things that, the uncertainties. Uh, the one thing is true, that the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne today. He's there right now. The Bible tells us that Christ, Jesus, came to earth, that He lived a sinless life, that He died for our sins on the cross, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, defeating death, giving us, all who believe in Him, the hope of the resurrection and eternal life. But then the Bible tells us that He ascended to heaven and that He is the believer's high priest, that He is seated on the throne, making intercession for us. Jesus Christ is on the throne. And I could say this, in your own personal life, you may see a lot of changes. You may see some things that kind of come out of nowhere and blindside you and things change. But God is still on the throne. He is still in control and God is still on the throne. There may be people in power making decisions and people doing things that you can't control. Other people around you uh, affecting your life in different ways and things that you can't control. But God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. You know what our culture needs? You know what our country needs? Our country doesn't need a good king like Uzziah who started off great. You know what our country needs? It needs to seek God. Our country needs to see God on the throne. You know what our country needs? You know what each and every one of us need? We need a personal relationship with the Creator. We need a personal relationship with God. And we need to see Him high and lifted up. I, I, I'm, I'm trying, I, I want to be careful about this uh, perception that we give of Jesus Christ and God. I think that we do our culture and our society a disservice by cheapening 
God by bringing him down to our level. I think that he is high and lifted up. I think he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And I think that we as a church and we as Christians and we as a country should put God in his rightful place. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, He's the creator of all things. He is the savior. He is, this is why the seraphim around the throne sang holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You know why? Because the seraphim know who he is. He's God. He's God. Uh, This is the same revelation that we see that John gets from Christ when he enters into the throne room of heaven. He says that he saw these beasts around the throne crying night and day, holy, holy. Holy, holy, the Lord God Almighty, which was and which is and which is to come. I believe that we as Christians need to see God in His rightful place. He is on the throne and He's high and lifted up. Now I can say this, that Jesus Christ is merciful. He's long-suffering. Can I say this, that Jesus Christ is a friend of sinners. But I also must say that he's not the man upstairs. That, 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 that you and him don't have an understanding. Like you sat down and worked out your differences. That's not the God that I know in the Bible. The God that I know spoke the world into existence. And then each and every person, when they got a glimpse of God, uh, fell flat on their face in complete and total understanding of who they are. We are not God. And we must, as a culture, understand and get God in his rightful place. He is the king of kings on the throne. And the beginning of wisdom still is the fear of the Lord in 2019. It was 2,000 years ago, and it still is today. The fear of the Lord is healthy for his people. And it's healthy for a country to get God in his rightful place. He is Lord God Almighty, the eternal God, and a consuming fire, the creator of all things. And Isaiah saw him that way. He saw him up there on the throne and, and, and his response in meeting the Lord was this. Woe is me. Woe is me. I, I think this would be healthy for all of us also as Christians is to realize that when we see God for who he is, we begin to see ourselves for who we are. Just, just briefly, you're in Isaiah chapter 6. Look at Isaiah chapter 5. I just want you to kind of look at this for a second. This is the, the chapter before Isaiah's meeting with the Lord. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. He says, he says this, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Woe unto them. Verse 21, woe unto them. Verse 23, woe unto them. Now, I don't think that anything that Isaiah said in these woe unto thems is wrong. But you know what he said when he met the Lord? Not woe unto them. No longer was he saying, oh, look at all the sins of the people and look at all the faults of my country and look at all the faults of the people I know and look at all woe unto them, woe unto them, woe unto them. You know what Isaiah said when he came into the presence of the Lord? Woe unto me. Woe unto me. Look at me. I'm, 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 I'm in trouble. As we see God, we don't become 
critical of everyone else, but we begin in the presence of the Lord to say, I am undone and I am unclean. Have you ever ran into someone uh, that uh, you, if you would have known that you were meeting them, you would have been prepared for? But you ran into them and you were unprepared and you, and you say, I'm undone, I'm not ready. That's what, that's what Isaiah said when he came into the presence of the Lord. He goes, I'm not ready. I'm undone. I'm unclean. I'm unprepared. And he began to realize that there was no way for him to prepare himself for this meeting with God, with the Lord on this throne. He begins to change his message a little bit from woe unto them to woe unto me. You know, I'm thankful that God can change our message. I I think that as we grow closer to the Lord, we should uh, change our message a little bit. I think we should grow in grace. I hope that uh, uh, sermons from a couple years ago, I I, I hope I've grown in grace a little bit. I think as you look at Isaiah and as he, as he prophesies through his book, uh, uh, he changes a little bit. So much so. The book of Isaiah, I've mentioned this before, uh, 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. It's like a little mini Bible. Uh, each chapter kind of representing of the 66 books in the Bible. Uh, so much so that there was people that have has thought that there was two different writers of the book of Isaiah. Uh, folks have thought that the first 39, like the Old Testament of Isaiah, was written by Isaiah, and then the last 27 were written by someone else. We know that that's not true because Jesus Christ uh, says in, in John chapter 12 and quotes from Isaiah and gives him credit for it out of chapters 6 and chapter 53, which would be old and new. So we know it was Isaiah. Something just changed. His message changed. Can I say that the Lord's message has also changed to us? I'm thankful that the New Testament is a little different style. I'm thankful for the grace that's found in the New Testament after the death of the testator, after the death of Jesus Christ, that now we can come to God by grace through faith. Boy, that is wonderful. That's good news. That's a a kind of a change that is very much welcomed to us. He says here that he saw the king. He saw the king, the capital K. No longer did he have his eyes on the kings of the earth. No longer was his emotions set on Uzziah or Jotham. But now he saw the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And this changed his mindset. And verse 7, him recognizing himself uh, that he was unclean, that he was uh, needing some help. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 7, And he laid in my mouth and said, uh, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Uh, that's kind of the, what the name Isaiah means, is the salvation of Jehovah. The salvation of God. Can I say this, uh, uh, talking in, in, in broad terms? The greatest need of our country is salvation. The greatest need is the gospel. Do you know what the folks in Papua New Guinea need that we heard about this morning? You know what they need? They need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what we need here and now? We need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man and women's greatest need is to be forgiven of their sins. To know that their guilt is gone. To know that they've been justified. To know that they've been 
forgiven, that they've been purged and freed from this guilt. It is the greatest need that we have. Look at how Isaiah starts in Isaiah chapter 1. Uh, read with me in verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. No matter who's king, no matter who's in power, no matter who's in control, our greatest need is salvation. Our greatest need is, uh, is our sin to be paid for, to be purged, to be cleansed. And Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 starts like this. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But if we be willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. I find it interesting that he says, come now, come now, come, come, come to the Lord. This wonderful, uh, powerful king of kings seated on the throne, high and lifted up. You know what he says? He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I, I would say that this is just reasonable. Wouldn't you say that it's reasonable to come to the Lord who offers forgiveness? To come to the Lord as Isaiah realized that he was undone, as Isaiah realized that he was unclean, and that there was no way for him to clean himself. There was no way for him to purge himself. Uh, isn't it just reasonable? Isn't it just reasonable for us to take the Lord up on this offer? To come to Him. To come to Him and be willing and, and to be obedient. You say, for what? For, for cleansing? For justification? Uh, that word justification, just as if I'd never sinned, justified. Isn't it just reasonable to come to the Lord when he says, come, come unto me, all you that labor? He says, I'll make you presentable. There's no way that you could present yourself to God. But the Lord Jesus Christ says, I'll make you presentable. I'll forgive your sins. I'll make you white as snow. I'll impute my righteousness, the Lord says. I'll impute my righteousness to your account. Oh, wow. Think about that for just a moment. It would be unreasonable. It would be unreasonable to try to pay a debt that we could not pay. When the Lord Jesus Christ has paid it for us and offers it to us, it would be unreasonable to not come to Him for our forgiveness, to not come to Him for our salvation, to not come to Him for our eternal life. Uh, he can save, and He will save. The gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is so wonderful. It's the good news. It's the good news. It's that Christ died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He rose again. And our part is to be willing and obedient, to come to Him when He says, Come. To receive Him as our Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and you've not come to Christ for salvation, come. Come to Him. Receive Him as your Lord and Savior. He is so wonderful. He is so marvelous that we sang about this morning. His grace is amazing and He can and will save. He says to Isaiah, your iniquity is gone. Your sins are purged in verse 8. He said, and also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go 
for us. Isn't that interesting, the Lord saying, whom will I send and who will go for us? Who's the us there that that God says? The us is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's the same us that you find in the beginning of Genesis at creation. When he says, let us make man in our image. So he made them male and female in the image of God. It's that same us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are saying, who will I send? Who will go for us? You know, he didn't send the seraphim. The seraphim are around the throne, worshiping and praising him. They will do whatever God tells them to do. But he didn't send the seraphim. You know who he wants to send? You and I. He could have sent the angels. Could, he, could God send the angels? He could. But he didn't choose to do that. You know what he said? Who will go for us? Who will go? Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Now Isaiah's heart is ready. Now Isaiah's heart is ready. You say, what do you mean? He saw himself for who he was. I think we need to have a humble heart to be able to minister to people the right way. We can't minister down. We can't minister down to people. You know what he said? He said, I have unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. You know what Isaiah said? I have the same problems as everybody else. I have the same needs as everybody else. And when, when, when Isaiah saw that for himself, God said, I can use you, Isaiah. I can use you to help reach those in need. Why? Because you have compassion. You have compassion for those hurting and for those in need. He said, who will I send? You know, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The Bible tells us that he's the light of the world. But you know who he has chosen to represent him here on earth? You and I. He says, he is the light of the world. How is that? He's put the light in us. How did he do that? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. He, uh, the Holy Spirit dwells us in the light of Christ can shine out of us. The gospel. Can I say this? Paul said this about the gospel. Paul the apostle. He said, I'm a debtor to the Greeks and the barbarians, to all those. He said, I'm a debtor. Why was he a debtor? Because he said, I've received the gospel, so therefore I must give it away. I've received the grace of God. I've received salvation. Therefore I must give it away. And that's what the Lord's saying here. Who's going to go for us? Who will represent me here on earth? Who will shine this light and this good news? Who will I send? (laughs) Can you almost picture this? Think about it in your mind for a second. Is Isaiah seeing God high and lifted up on his throne, the majesty, smoke, and his train filling the temple, all the glory of it. And I almost see the gracious Heavenly Father kindly saying, who will we send? Who will go for us? He wasn't forcing Isaiah. He wasn't making Isaiah do anything uh, that Isaiah didn't choose to do. You know what he wanted? He wanted Isaiah to say, uh, I mean, I kind of picture it as God Almighty. (laughs) And Isaiah is like the only one there. You know, it's kind of like, who will I send? You know, it's like, I'm the only one here, right? That's how I picture it. Who will I send? But he wasn't forcing, 
You know what he wanted from Isaiah? Can you use me, Lord? I mean, I, I know that I'm undone. I know that I'm unclean. I know my faults and my failures, but Lord, can you use me? Lord, would you use me? A here am I. Send me. Can I say that's a surrendered heart? That's a surrendered heart. I, I believe this this morning. I honestly believe this with all my heart. That anyone who surrenders their life to the Lord, the Lord will use. If you surrender yourself to the Lord, the Lord will use you. I believe it. I believe if you say, if you pray a prayer like this, Lord God, here am I. Send me. You say, send me where? Papua New Guinea? That sounds scary. Now send you across the street. Send you to the cubicle next to you. Send you to your children, to your grandchildren, to the people around you. Here am I. Send me. That's where, where the Lord may send you. He's, Isaiah says, I'm unworthy. But Lord, I trust that you'll empower me. It's kind of like Paul saying, I beseech you, therefore, brother. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. Hope you caught that. There's two reasonables here. It's unreasonable not to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it's just reasonable if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's just reasonable to say, Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, use me in any way that you see fit. Lord, you're the potter, I'm the clay. Uh, prepare me as a vessel for your service. I believe you will. I believe you will. This is the point of decision. I think a message is important. The word of God is important, but it should bring us to a place of decision. It should bring us to a place of, of God, uh, how do you want me to respond to these words? As Dan comes and leads us in a song of invitation. Can I say that we as God's people must see God in His rightful place. We must see Him on His throne, high and lifted up. Is God on the throne in our hearts, in our lives? Have we surrendered? If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Savior, maybe you've known about God, maybe uh, you've had uh, uh, experience in re religion, but there's never been a time in your life where you said, Lord God, I'm asking you to save me. I repent of my sins and I'm asking for your cleansing through your blood. I'm trusting you. Whosoever, the Bible says, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's good news. Would you this morning receive Christ as your Savior? For the Christian, if you've experienced this great grace of salvation, would you today say, here am I, here am I, send me. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or 
You could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. And feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.